the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our third hour. It is a delight to do so with our good friend David Harsanyi. He is a senior fellow, excuse me, a senior editor at The Federalist, a nationally syndicated columnist and the author of uh, several books, most most recently Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. And uh, I want to talk to him about uh, his most recent column in The Federalist, but he also is the author of another hugely important book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. We'll talk a little bit about things uh, that took place in Michigan and the um, and the fallout from that. David, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you being with us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I was saying to the audience yesterday, there are, there are a few people I have more contempt for um, than the James Clappers of the world uh, and what they lent their credibility to in 2020, led their credence and credibility to almost lording over the rest of the population or the unwashed with their with their uh, security clearances and their resumes and CVs in in giving uh, fuel to the uh, cable television uh, and social media fires about the story of the Hunter Biden laptop. Um, James Clapper Can't Stop Lying is the title of your piece at The Federalist on this from yesterday as he is, for some reason or other, trying to walk back a little bit the provocative headline that uh, the Politico story that exposed their, that uh, uh, disseminated their, their letter in 2020. He has now, he says, problems with the headline which said, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say. And he's trying to make the claim that, um, no, we didn't say it was disinformation. That's what the headline said, and it overstated the case. You take it from here, sir. Well, I mean, that's an obvious lie. And, you know, just take a step back. James Clapper, um, who had lied to the American people and lied to Congress uh, about a domestic spying operation, he, you know, the reason all of a sudden he's trying to walk back is uh, the letter that he signed uh, claiming that um, that the Hunter Biden story had all the earmarks of, of being a Russian disinformation operation is because the, the Republicans just took over Congress and they're investigating, you know, mm-hmm. what happened with that laptop. That's why he did it. His claims are actually let me take another step back. And, and the, the problem with him and his resume, as you mentioned, is that because he decided to throw away and, and ignore his duty to the American people, even after he was no longer had the, that immense power, is that we no longer can trust people like him because he lies and because John Brennan lies, former CIA director. So now they've become partisans, and we can't trust anything that these people say, and that creates a vacuum where... We don't know where to turn for for uh, information, and and you know, and then we we can't really trust anyone, and that's just a societal problem in general, you know, that's just a political problem. But he, um, in this letter, of course, there was a you know, there was one paragraph where he says, or they say, 
that they're, you know, they don't have access, so, so they're unsure. But the purpose wasn't to say, hey, this is disinformation. The purpose was to undermine the credibility of the people reporting and undermine the credibility of the story itself so that people could wave it away or say, we can't really run with this because it might not be true. It, of course, he had no access to the laptop. He couldn't say it for sure. But the letter itself and all the 50 or uh, 49 other people who signed it, that was their intent. It was political and partisan. And the Hunter Biden story had more substantiation than virtually any story about Russian collusion, etc. And yet, uh, Clapper, who knew those stories were untrue, never once offered any kind of yellow flag or letter warning people not to believe it. So he, he's a, a complete fraud. That's exactly uh, right. He is hanging his hat, supposedly, on this, what he's calling the fifth paragraph. You made mention of it. He says, well, the fifth paragraph made it clear that we weren't absolutely certain this was a disinformation campaign. Let me just read what this uh, fifth paragraph says. It's actually only one sentence. You're a professional writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens sometimes a paragraph can be a sentence, but it's, it's actually one sentence. We want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post by President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, are genuine, genuine or not, and that we do not have evidence of Russian involvement, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. And then there are literally eight or nine other paragraphs where they stack that supposition into obviously a conclusion that uh, is that Russian information was at play here. As you say, all the earmarks. An earmark, he said, is not definite proof. Well, actually, that's what an earmark kind of is. It shows what property is on a cattle. Well, here's the thing. Did he not see the political headline when it was when it first ran, whatever Correct. it was, two years ago or Correct. more? Correct. And why didn't he say anything then? Did the 49 other people not see it? And, you know, the Washington Post, this was a fact checker story, which is just preposterous in itself. But the fact checker asked him, well, when Biden said and during the last debate or on 60 Minutes, I forget exactly where, that... Uh, that 50, uh, you know, that he used this letter yeah. to deflect away from, from what he was, by the way, lying about that we now know, that he had no knowledge of what Hunter was doing. Well, he says he was unaware of how Biden had framed it. I mean, that is so implausible. <laughs> or did 50 former heads of intelligence agencies, not one of them watch the last debate with Joe Biden and, Joe, and Donald Trump, did not one of them watch 60 Minutes, did not one of them ever read a quote in the newspaper of Biden using their letter in this way? Of course they did. So it, the, the story doesn't make any sense. And it's it's just a pathetic stab at covering yourself now when you know that an email might turn up, that you're going, someone might turn up something that shows or illustrates exactly what you were up to. Well, exactly. And it's not as if the Politico, uh, excuse me, the letter that Politico uh, printed was his only statement. This guy did do the interview rounds. I mean, you have seen, I, I assume you've seen the CNN interview with, uh, with uh, what's her name, Burnett, where he says, direct Aaron Burnett, direct quote, to me, this is just classic textbook Soviet Russian tradecraft at work, close quote, October 17th, 2020 on CNN. To me, this is just classic textbook Soviet Russian trade craft at work. What other what other deduction is one supposed to make other than he's saying this is a Russian disinformation campaign? He is such an odious figure. I, I mean it just as, as a per You know, you realize now that these were the people running major agencies in the United States government and how they are and how they act. 
and you know how mendacious they are just in general and obviously part of the part of being in the, dealing with with uh spycraft or dealing with these sorts of things obviously has an element of that but just I, I, you know, sometimes I just think that they view themselves, like you said in the intro, you know, they view themselves as sitting above the American people, um, ignoring the Constitution, ignoring the rule of law, and just doing whatever they want. I mean, he did more to undermine an election than any Russian disinfo. I'm of sorry. Course. Of I course mean, he did. He yeah, moved I mean, more votes. The There's no question. Absolutely. He moved more votes than any Russian disinformation campaign or bot campaign from 2016 or 2020, perhaps combined. And and here's the here's the dramatic irony. If you go back to that public statement on the Hunter Biden emails that they wrote that the 50 of them signed on October 19th. OK, read the fifth paragraph. I don't think it's as up excul- or sentence. I don't think it's as exculpatory as he thinks. But how about the third paragraph? May I give it to you? Perhaps most important, each of us believes deeply that American citizens should determine the outcome of elections. Not foreign governments. All of us agree with the founding fathers' concern about the damage that foreign interference in our politics can do to our democracy. What about domestic interference? I mean, if it's important and believe and they believe deeply that American citizens should determine the outcome of elections, what the hell are they doing? But all this overblown hysteria around and histrionics around disinformation from foreign governments has been used as an excuse to try to censor the American people. Right. It's, that, it's really that simple. It's just a pretext. That's, what, yeah. th- that's why tech companies and newspapers and all of them ignored the Hunter story, because they were scared that this was going to be another Hillary uh, server scandal type thing, and mm-hmm. they didn't want to undermine Joe Biden's chances. It's that simple. Everyone knows that. I believe they know it. Uh, it's true as well on the Democratic side. And this is simply it should be unacceptable in a free nation. Censorship is not always the state just set, stepping in and shutting down a radio station. Sometimes it's their own disinformation, like you say. And also, any good journalist would have been skeptical of this letter. Of course, the the, the person who um, who helped them with this story in, in Politico was, uh, what's her name, escapes me, Natasha Bertrand, I think her name is, yeah, right. who was basically just passing along whatever these intel people had said at all her jobs, and she was behind a lot of the fake Russia collusion stuff. So, oh, yeah, let me pick up. Know. Let me take a quick break and pick up on that and the failure of journalism here. You're a journalist and uh, have worked in the profession many years. Let me let me pick up on that very theme with you when we come right back. I'm Seth Leibson. He's David Harsanyi. He is a senior editor at the Federalist, thefederalist.com, where you can read him regularly. He's a nationally syndicated columnist and the author of several books. Most recently. Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have um, David Harsanyi with us. He is a senior editor at The Federalist and author, syndicated columnist. We're talking about his piece on James Clapper uh, at The Federalist. You, you, you were adding another interesting note to this whole uh, scandal, um, David, with the role of reporters here, uh, the role of journalists here, that uh, totally without any skepticism whatsoever swallowed whole any anonymous source that was critical of the Trump administration from within it, um, even even delightfully 
printing op-eds under the name uh, Anonymous if it was um, going to be attached to a criticism of the Trump administration, never once investigating anything they were spoon-fed by these intelligence officials like James Clapper. It's a real interesting thing when you think about, you know, what the modern-day journalist is brought up on, where the idea was that we would have a free press that was there to investigate the government, not help the government uh, suppress news to the American people. This is the weird thing to me. Um, Hugo Black and and, uh, and Justice William Douglas in the Pentagon Papers case had a line, I, I love quoting it all the time, quote, the press was to serve the governed, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government, that seems to only really run in one direction. Embarrass, I would think embarrassingly so and shamefully so for the journalist class, but there will be no accountability for what happened with LaFaire, Hunter, Biden laptop. There will be no uh, accountability really, I don't think, for James Clapper, not much, not at the end of the day and, and all, his, um, all his confederates. We just keep operating in this world where we realize if there is a Republican in power, the press will act like Woodward and Bernstein. If there is a Democrat in power, they will act like a handmaiden. Right. Well, and that wouldn't, that's how it's been you know, for a long time. Let's be honest, even, you know, sometimes I hear people talk about the golden age of journalism okay. with Walter Cronkite and all that. Okay. I don't think that those, those, I think those people were biased in ways that are were really destructive. Walter Cronkite, for instance, had this big special on abortion, I think, in 1966, where he, you know, all these concocted numbers sort of became uh, embedded in the in the debate, and they, you know, it was just terrible. And I, I agree with what you're saying in general, but 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 now we have people who aren't just activists, but they're, I mean, aren't just biased or aren't just going after Republicans and not going after Democrats. We have a little them make helping yeah. the helping. You know, people make stories up fabulous, basically, who undermine elections, who, who, uh, you know, who knew many of these reporters must have known they were they were just, um, you know, passing along completely, you know, ridiculous stories that, you know, that they shouldn't have believed. The best thing is journalists, the most important tool journalists has is skepticism. Yeah. You know, if someone's handing you a perfect story. It's probably not true. Exactly. I mean, that's something I learned even when I was, you know, just reporting on Metro stories, right. you know, right. and and, um, and they didn't. So, yeah, no story is that simple, right? You learn, you learn that along the way, either in, in your business or mine. You learn that no narrative is that perfect. No narrative is that one sided. None. Not there's not the one. president yeah. of the United States is an asset of a foreign right. enemy is not a story that you should take lightly right. or just pass along right. one source stories, which happened all the time yeah. in major newspapers. And uh, there's been no reckoning. I remember a few months ago, Axios had some piece where they were talking about a reckoning for getting the stories wrong. But who has lost? Not a single person has even lost their job over over anything like that. I'm not. Listen, I don't. Yeah, I you're don't not asking for that. Piece. It's just that that not not, yeah. not nothing was nothing at all was done. And and I suppose it raises yet another question, which is you know when the press in the mainstream, your Washington Post, your Politicos, your New York Times, those kind of mainstreams, when they go so all in for one side and they leave, you know, the truly curious and the truly interested and the truly, you know, uh, skeptical consumers to find alternative resources, 
it is interesting that it's the mainstream press that likes to blame the divisiveness in America uh, on so much of those who don't read their stuff and may go to other sources that may not at the end of the day have the same editing and same editorial standards. Although, you know, it's getting harder and harder to say that. But yeah, you and I would agree, even from our side, there's some stuff out there that you have to take with uh, as much skepticism <laughs> as as you would anything else. But how do you blame people? Uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's the New York Times and the Washington Post have raised has have raised the white flag on neutrality. How do you blame people for going to alternate sources and them not knowing the wheat from the chaff? This is like what we were speaking about earlier. I mean, there's a vacuum of trust. Yep. Because the people and institutions that we're supposed to trust can't no longer be right. relied upon. Right. And that doesn't just go for the Washington Post and New York Times, which we always have to read. You, know, you always have to sort of read between the lines to get to the story anyway, yeah. you know, or read really deep into a story to get to the, right. to the lead. But now it's also AP. It's also Reuters. Right. You know, wire services, which used to provide just the sort of blandest, most you know, fact-heavy story. And now you can't trust them either. So I don't know what you do. Yes, you can go to conservative. You can go come to the Federalist and read us. And I'm, I'm not belittling, belittling our publication in any way. I think we do a great job where we are. But we don't have the kind of budget or staff that can spend a year doing a deep dive investigation into something, you know, that like in the way the New York Times. Yeah, can. you can't deploy and 50 that, reporters on something. No, of course. Exactly. And, and we don't we just can't. And also... You know, I don't know if people realize this, but quite often with big investigations, when you have reporters on, on something, I remember working at the Denver Post when it was, you know, a pretty big newspaper, and we had a desk, just a long-term investigation. Sometimes they fail, so you have to be ready not to succeed, meaning you're, you have staffers who basically sometimes don't really produce anything for, for long amounts of time. This takes a lot of money, and we can't afford that. So that's a big problem, and this is why I've argued for a long time that instead of just pumping money into candidates and think tanks that... Conservatives need to build journalistic yes. outfits, real ones that really right. dive deep, that focus on, 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 on things that the mainstream media are not. I think you're right about that. And um, I'm, 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 you, you probably get this, too. I get this probably eight times a week from different listeners or people who check into the show from time to time when I go after the media. And they will tell me, well, Seth, are you telling us your objective? And my answer is, no, I am not. But they are. And you can say the same thing, David. The Federalist, right at the top, be lovers of freedom and anxious for the fray. You're talking about a debate. You're, you're admitting who you are up front. Yeah, we're not going to lie to you, but we are coming from a certain perspective. The New York Times and the Washington Post will go to their – every reporter on every panel I've ever seen you know, would go to their grave saying that we're objective without bias. Right. I don't even, I mean, it doesn't bother me that I know someone's coming to it from the left, right? Because I think if they're honest about what they're reporting and they're going after people, Republican administrations, but they're armed with facts and are, are, then that doesn't bother me as long as there are other people doing it from the other side. In the beginning, when this country began, newspapers were completely part of it. That's right. You know, Thomas Jefferson, the Federalist, the Republican, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Exactly. And you know what? That keeps us honest. But you can't only have giant institutions of journalism, almost 99% of them being focused on one side of the of the debate and while telling you they are not while telling you that they are not exactly yeah i didn't realize we'd stay on this so long if you don't mind i'd like to keep you a couple more segments uh i'd like to get your thoughts on 
how the media is treating this Columbia Journalism Review expose of the other Russia story, if we could. Can you stick with me a couple more sure. minutes? I appreciate it. David sure. Harsanya, thank you. David Harsanya is our guest, senior editor at The Federalist, author, journalist, and a lot more. You know, I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. David Harsanyi is our guest, and um, he is the author of several books. He's a senior editor at The Federalist. We were talking about his most recent uh, piece, or uh, maybe his penultimately most recent piece, I should say, on uh, James Clapper. But we're talking about journalism, too. David has worked uh, in the um, in the trenches of, 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 of non-opinion journalism as well. David, a lot of us on the on the kind of conservative side of things were pretty shocked to see the Colombian Journalism Review uh, do this expose, the press versus the president, the president being Trump, the press being uh, mostly uh, the New York Times and the, uh, and a little bit of the Washington Post in uh, 2016 forward. This piece by this expose by Jeff Girth, uh, tremendous work he did, um, and they published. Is anyone is anyone in the circles you 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 listen to or have connections to is anyone taking a, a second look at this and what they did with this invention of the of the Russian um, of the Russian dossier against Donald Trump that led to four years of not nagging but four years of of an entirely adopted position of the Democratic Party that Donald Trump was actually an illegitimate president. Yeah, which it's still the position of the yeah, Democratic fair enough. Party. Yes, fair enough. That still is. Um, now, I mean, I don't, I don't really travel in those circles anymore. But okay. I would say All that right. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to change anything. And you know, I, I thought the piece was really well done in, in, in the, in that it laid out the timeline, it laid out a lot of the problems. But I actually think it pulled its punches a bit. Okay. Uh, I was convinced of this by others. I mean, in the sense that its conceit is that these were mistakes and not. Not purposeful, yeah, right. not done on purpose. Right. I'm not sure that that's the case. And, you know, I, I think that depends who you're talking about. I think there are some probably, you know, uh, people who in good faith made mistakes. But I think there are other people who just thought that Donald Trump was, you know, going to undermine, you know, or, or destroy democracy or whatever it is and, and really cut corners or just ignored the rules and ethics of journalism altogether. You know, if I can go back uh, for the other story to the original story, the Hunter Laptop one and the New York Post being itself silenced on Twitter and elsewhere, you know, that that was the other thing that was so eyebrow raising to me. The notion that members of the media, members of the mainstream media could watch that happen without a twinge or a pang of conscience. They could watch a fellow newspaper and journalist uh, organization of journalism just be shut down, just just be completely censored on social media, um, that they could do that just seemed to me, I don't know, I don't really have the words for it. It, it, it seemed to me a total collapse of any ability to wrap yourself in the First Amendment ever again, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to seem too harsh, but the, but the bottom line is I think a lot of journalists, and again, there are good journalists everywhere, sure. you know, just in general speaking, especially the people in charge, especially the columnists, are pro censorship. Yeah. <laughs> they don't think they think that there are institutions that there are uh, outlets that don't deserve to have a voice like no. they do merely because they have a position that they you know think is uh, against quote unquote democracy. Right. And yeah, just I just think that that's the reality of the situation, and that's how conservatives or people who care about 
uh, free speech and open discourse have to approach the situation. There was a little noise earlier in the week, I guess, that Bob Woodward was trying to say that he had raised some concerns about some of this stuff, and then that went away pretty quickly. Was his was was this was this a profile encouraged on Bob Woodward's part himself, or was it just kind of a pro forma, a pro forma trying yeah. to yeah trying to play both sides? You know, you know, you know when you're courageous. You know, someone's courageous is when they do it when it's the hardest to do. Right? You don't have when, to ask the question. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it would have been courageous in 2017. Yeah. You know, it's not courageous now. Yeah, uh, it's easy now that we know it's not there. There's no price to pay. No one, you know, there's going to be a Twitter mob coming down on on Woodward, right? Right. right. Who's you know so. Um, no, I, I mean, listen, I, 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 it's better that people acknowledge that things didn't go as they should have, but I don't think that it's particularly brave. Yeah, where were you when it was going down? Exactly. You show up at the first inning and show up at the ninth inning and then, and then uh, want the award for winning the game, right? Let me, uh, let me keep you one more, uh, one more segment, if I can, do a little politics of the day. I want to ask you uh, mm-hmm. about thoughts on Joe Biden and Michigan and uh Get your thoughts on Nikki Haley entering the race as well, which is making a lot of the rounds. David Harsani is our guest. He is the senior editor at The Federalist, thefederalist.com, author of uh, multiple books and uh, syndicated columnist as well. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. David Harsanyi is our guest, senior editor at The Federalist, a nationally syndicated uh, columnist and uh, author of several books, most recently Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent, and also First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun. Uh, While while I'm mentioning that book of yours, uh, David, um, any anything interesting that caught your eye out of uh, the shooting at uh, in Michigan, or anything that Joe Biden has said about it since? I know he was talking a lot about assault weapons in the aftermath. It doesn't look to me like there was an assault weapon there, but I um, I, I I don't have a lot to say. The motive the motive doesn't seem to be clear right now, and I don't know what more. You know, these we seem to have a lot of these same circular conversations every time. I don't know if you have any thoughts you wanted to share about it. Well, you're you're withholding, uh, you know, judgment because you're not sure exactly what happened yet. Exactly. But Democrats don't do that. <laughs> yes, fair point. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, they, they don't care. They don't. They don't care that there was no assault weapon. Immediately, something like this happens. They talk about assault weapon ban. Yeah. They don't care that it was a 42 year old or a 75 year old before that. They talk about age hiking the age limit because they don't. I'm not saying they don't care about the victims. They do. But they don't care about the solution that the solutions match up. They want to incrementally move towards removing guns from American society. They don't see it as a societal good in any way. And that's the debate. And that's why we're constantly going in circles. And Joe Biden constantly says the same things, and we get nowhere. I, um, I, 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 he said, I mean, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll get it about 99.9% accurate what he said yesterday. He said, What I'm going to tell you, I know, is controversial, but there is no reasonable argument for Americans to own assault weapons. Uh, how can it be controversial if there's no reasonable argument? <laughs> also, just because you made up a designation called assault yes, weapons doesn't also really that. make it any also, different. Also that. <laughs> also that. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a semi-automatic rifle, and uh, and people have had it and have millions of them, and you're not going to get rid of them anyway. So, And it has nothing to do with these shoes. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Nikki Haley, uh, does she have a shot? Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you a f- person who's in favor of a bigger field or a smaller field? Anything you want to say about all this? I don't really have strong opinions either way. I'd say that people, you know, people dismiss her, you know, and I don't, I don't think she has a great shot at it. I think she's probably running for vice president yeah. or something like that. But there really is no downside in running. And also, you know, you raise money. You're in the, you know, you're, you're interviewed. You're paid attention to. Um, I would say this though. I mean, I don't think people thought Barack Obama had much of a chance the first time he ran. I don't think people thought Donald Trump had much of a That's chance when he ran. That's correct. You never know, what, never know. what's going to happen. Um, but the danger sometimes is, as it was in 2016, is that you have a lot of people stay in and you don't, you know, I mean, if you, let's say you don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee, oh. it can become dangerous when you have a lot of other people splitting votes or whoever, yeah, right? right? So right. that's something to think about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if there are one or two front runners, and there are obviously two front runners, even though one isn't announced, it's obvious to everyone, and you're throwing your hat in the ring, you're saying, I'm hoping to take votes from at least one of you, um, probably both of you. Um, But, you know, I'll I'll share with you the comment I like the most. I played her little video. I didn't mean it diminutively. I played her four-minute video. I don't know if you saw it that she put out yesterday. And it was, you know, perfect. And I had had a listener call in because I was asking the audience their views of it. He said... It's a great video. I wouldn't change a word. It's perfect. And I hope she doesn't make it past the first primary. <laughs> you know, you know, that's a ver- that's very funny because I think she is. Perfect. I think a lot of people think that, comes, actually. Yeah. And it comes off contrived a bit. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. me. Like, it just comes off like very 2005. You know what I mean? And she, she says she's, you know, I saw she said, you know, that we have to move forward and stop with the faded ideas of the past and stuff like that, which is a weird thing for a conservative to say, by the way, right. because <laughs> conservative, you're trying to conserve things from the past. Right. I think she's talking about Reaganism and all that. So I don't, that does not appeal to me. I'm not one of these people who goes around talking about Reagan, but the ideas that aren't, that, that propelled his, uh, success do appeal to me, and I think they appeal to the American people still. So I'm not sure I love that she's so malleable ideologically, but then again, I'm not exactly sure what she's talking about because she hasn't been very specific. And I haven't really gone back and and thought about how was she a good governor in South Carolina? I remember her as being a good governor, so I mean that matters too. They're management gonna, matters. So. Yeah, no, they'll they'll pick that apart a little bit. But yes, I think management does matter. And, you know, you make a good point about you never know. It may seem obvious, but it is true. Sometimes the, the front runners do stumble and sometimes mm-hmm. they stumble irreparably. You and I are old enough to remember a lot of campaigns like this. Uh, at one point, people thought mm-hmm. Giuliani was going to be the steamroller. I don't think he won a primary at all. I not one. Right. Yeah. Uh and then there was the Fred yeah, Thompson Fred, Fred phenomenon. Thompson, yeah, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Twice maybe even. And uh, anyway, so you 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 just never know what happens and and if one of those front perceived front runners does stumble and fall or doesn't make it for whatever reason, whether it's cosmetic or something in the background or something they say in a gaffe or what have you, or some scandal that gets discovered, it's good to know that there are solid people there that you can take another and second look at. It just is. I mean, 
What's Nikki Haley doing now? She's there. There's no reason for her not to be doing yeah, this, right? Exactly it's all right. upside. She probably exactly. gets a book out of it. She probably yeah. has a book out or something. Yeah, she probably and, right. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, is there is there anything more boring than a pres- presidential year book? I don't know, but uh, from a candidate, but uh, you know, they're not going to say anything controversial. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know. You know, you can. We don't know. You know, I. I suspect Ron DeSantis will do well with Republicans, but you never know how you it just ends up never going, know, right? right. Yeah. Fred Thompson He's couldn't get off Florida, the ground. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, and and I, I, gosh, I just remember these phenoms that just burnt out. Anyway, I don't think that will be the story with Ron DeSantis, but obsta uh, principis, my Greeks, profe- my Greek professor taught me. Beware first principles. Beware first thoughts. David Harsanyi, senior editor at The Federalist, author of Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent, and several other books. Thanks for being with us. Really appreciate you, sir. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always fun. I'm Seth Leibson. I'll be back with a concluding thought. Welcome back to the uh, Seth Leibson show. I was I'm always struck by her lyrics, Miranda Lambert's Miranda Lambert's lyrics there that so match the novel and the movie uh, Wizard of Oz, Tin Man, where um, the wizard um, the wizard says to him when the Tin Man wants a heart, the wizard says the heart is an imperfect instrument. They they've never made one that doesn't break. You remember that from the movie, David? It's a haunting line, isn't it? Anyway, that's what she's singing about. A lot of you have probably heard me talk about why refi for a long while now. And if you still have some questions about what investing with them can look like for you, they're encouraging you to give them a call so that they can put you in touch with other really satisfied customers and clients of theirs who have been happily investing with them and getting great returns. 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy? Do you know you can invest with Y-REFI through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y dot com. David, uh, great job on the uh, solo flight. I know it wasn't uh, your first, but uh, may have been one of your best. So thank you for being with us uh, today, as always, our associate producer, David Dahl. And um, I will, um, I guess I'll just close with, uh, with a thought on that, that, uh, that, that, that Greek line my classics professor used, obsta principis, uh, beware first thoughts. That, that That is a reason that we have the system of government we have, and it is a reason why we don't subject ourselves to the whims of a tyranny. We are supposed to be somewhat methodical here. We are supposed to be somewhat reflective here. We are supposed to have somewhat of an open mind here that's not just open to alternative arguments, but perhaps facts that might be inconvenient. And that's what was surrendered. That's what was surrendered by the Democrats some years ago. And it, and it, and it reached an apex with the Russian collusion hoax in 2016, and they doubled down again on it yet once more in 2020. And not enough reporters were doing their job, and not enough who were doing their job were doing it honestly. And the rest of us, well... The rest of us were subject to a form of tyranny, weren't we? A form of tyranny that was the, the tyranny 
of the ideology that found itself entirely embraced by the entirety of the fifth estate in this country, the press, the media, the tyranny of the media. We are supposed to be wary of the tyranny of the majority. We are supposed to be wary of the tyranny of the minority. We're also now, I guess, going to have to be wary of the tyranny of the media. Well, in part, that's why we're here. And I'm so glad you were here with us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.